0: The Word of God as found in 2 Peter 3, verses 11 to 14. I'm going to concentrate on verse 14, but the rest really belongs with it. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. It's very evident that what I said is correct, namely that our text, in verse 14, stands closely connected with the preceding section. That's plain from the word, wherefore. This is a conclusion from the preceding. And it's plain for the referen- from the reference to such things, seeing that ye look for such things. That is, such things as have been uh, mentioned in the immediately preceding section. So you have a conclusion here of a section that begins earlier in the chapter and which already speaks of the effect which this knowledge ought to have on us. Already you read of that in verse 11. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved? You ought to understand that connection, the idea of that connection, however, must remember that the apostle is not employing scare tactics. He's not trying to frighten God's people into godliness here. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He doesn't scare God's people into a godly and sanctified walk. That's not the idea at all. The idea is rather that of the close interrelationship between doctrine and life, between the object of our faith and hope, which is set forth in this doctrine here, and our life, the former, the doctrine of our faith and hope is the indispensable uh, basis of the latter. And the latter must always adorn the former. The former, the truth concerning our faith and hope is the light upon our pathway here in the midst of the world the latter our life and walk is proof that that light is not without purpose and not without result we walk in that light here in the midst of the world so you have a relationship here between the truth and reality and content of the Christian hope and the calling to walk in true uh, godliness and in a holy conversation. You see, beloved, a sound hope, a healthy Christian hope is not to be found in the way of sin only in the way of godliness of sanctification and a sanctified walk on the other hand is the crown of the Christian hope it's the sure the inevitable manifestation of that hope And so you have the admonition that is found in the words of our text. Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. I call your attention to that. The admonition to give diligence to be found in peace. Let's notice in the first place, on account of what in the second place why and in the third place how is this manifest notice that first of all in general the apostle is speaking here of the coming of the day of god the reference in verse 14 you know is to such things seeing that ye look for such things and in general those things include the passing away of the old world and the coming of the day of God You read of that in verse 10 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and so on. And uh, it's about that day that the apostle is concerned here in general. That's the day when God shall finally manifest himself at the close of the history of the world. Not just at 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 the end as though that end of history is totally arbitrary but at the close when there shall be and when there can be no more history. Things have drawn to a close according to the counsel and purpose of God. It's the day when God shall manifest himself too as the God of salvation for all those that are in Christ Jesus and the God of wrath for all the workers of iniquity. And it's the day that is sometimes called the day when God shall manifest the theodicy it is when he shall totally uh, manifest that he is God it's emphatically the day of the Lord the day of God God shall be manifest as God the Lord and as the righteous judge of heaven and earth the one who always did judge a righteous judgment that shall be revealed in that day in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. That briefly is the idea of that day. That day is coming and the apostle says it shall come as a thief in the night that is unexpectedly and also suddenly suddenly That certainly is true of the wicked. That for them, the day of the Lord shall come unexpectedly. The world will go on in its own way. That's always the description you find of the world at the time of the coming of the Lord. Eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage as though the end will never come. But that's also true to a certain extent as far as the church is concerned, we must remember. I know the events connected with the coming of our Lord are predicted in Scripture, and the church, the people of God who are looking for the coming of the Lord shall certainly see that that coming is near nevertheless, That coming shall still be sudden. The Bible tells us that the days shall be shortened for the elect's sake. Things shall be cut off. It may look from a certain point of view as though history is going to go on, but it won't. And that coming, the apostle has emphasized, is also sure it's a matter of the promise of God, the sure promise of God, his sworn oath to his beloved elect in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the second place, the apostle emphasizes here that the coming of that day of the Lord will be characterized by the passing away of the old world the heavens shall pass away with a great noise the rushing sound reference here is of course to the starry heavens to the firmament and that would therefore imply also the whole of our creation. You can't conceive of the heavens passing away with a great noise without all of this creation passing away. That, you understand, will be a wonder. We can never exactly understand what is going to take place at that time. There will be undoubtedly a tremendous upheaval universal explosions the heavens will pass away with a great noise There's nothing in our experience with which that can be compared it'll be a great noise much more than the noise say of, of uh, the largest hydrogen bomb much more than the noise of, uh, of a tornado I guess you don't have them here but if you ever hear a tornado in the neighborhood where you are it sounds like the noise of a hundred freight trains rumbling by it's much more than that And the elements shall melt with fervent heat they shall be dissolved burning the very first basic chemical physical principles shall be dissolved nothing shall be left but those principles themselves maybe we can say in a sense that Things will go back to uh, the waste and void of Genesis 1. All matter, all of the present creation in its present form shall be dissolved. And the earth and the works that are in it shall be burnt up the earth and all the creations in the earth. Remember, that includes also the works of men, all the fruits of man's genius and of man's inventiveness, man's discovery, his labor and his toil, shall be burnt up. remember in that connection that the nature of that end of all things is not that there shall be the annihilation of the creature not that everything shall go back to nothing as it was before the beginning if you can conceive of that but there shall be a tremendous world conflagration and a tremendous world transformation, so that nothing of this world, nothing of the earth earthy, nothing of the creation as we know it, and nothing of The works of men shall pass through that fire. Everything shall be burnt up, shall be dissolved. It holds true also for the so-called fruits of common grace, not talking now about the common grace of, of the uh, free offer idea, but the common grace that was propounded by the theologian Abraham Kuyper, grace with respect to the things of this present time. He attributed all the great works of civilization as uh, being the fruit of God's common grace, a grace that was not saving, but a grace that enabled man to develop and supposedly, and a grace that enabled him to do much good. And in connection with that, uh, he also taught, and he connected that with what you find in the uh, book of Revelation Uh, in verse twenty, in chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-four, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and their honor into it. He claimed that some of the fruits of the great works of men. Uh, accomplished by virtue of God's common grace would be brought into the new Jerusalem. Well, this passage here in Peter contradicts that. Everything shall be burnt up. And remember that the purpose of the apostle here in this section is practical. Wherefore, what manner of persons ought ye to be, you and I? What manner of persons ought we to be in the light of that fact? The other side of what the apostle teaches here is that the Lord will create a new heavens and a new earth. What is meant by that? Certainly it does not mean that there shall be an essentially new creation. The old passes away and the principles of the old are dissolved but the new creation is out of the old. In other words, God does not, if I may use the expression, God does not start from scratch in the new creation. He does not create altogether anew as he did in the beginning. That new creation shall have (coughs) a different nature and different character and different appearance but it shall be formed out of the old the same is true you know with man man in the new creation shall be a new man but he shall not be a new creation essentially. You'd be regenerated. You'd be a new creature spiritually, not an entirely different creature. I am going to pass through the resurrection of the body. I am regenerated. I shall be raised. You have a similar relationship there, you know, just as in the resurrection of the body, the same man is raised. That's what the apostle teaches very plainly in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery, he says. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The strength of of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be a change a fundamental change but i am going to be raised even as i am regenerated and so it shall be with the new heavens and the new earth also a similar kind of change the new and glorious and perfect and heavenly creation shall be formed a fit abode for the glorified saints and angels under one head, Christ, the firstborn of every creature. It wasn't the case with the first creation, you know. Adam was only head of the earthly creation. He was made a little lower than the angels. Christ is head over all things in heaven and on earth angels and principalities and powers as well as men as well as the church shall be subject unto him in that new creation the Bible speaks of that more than once you know of the fact that also the creation shall pass through a change which is called the new creation and which shall involve the glorification a glorious change of this present creation you have that for example in Romans 8 for the earnest expectation of the creature I'm reading at verse 19 the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The apostle is making it plain here that the whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered notice that the creature you can read the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. So that's the situation, beloved. The creation, this creation, shall be totally destroyed and shall pass away. And out of it, God shall bring forth the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, and in that new heavens and the new earth, this is emphasized in our text, righteousness shall dwell. shall dwell. That new creation shall be totally characterized by righteousness. It is by the righteousness of its citizens, the saints and the angels, in Christ Jesus. What is that? What is righteousness? Well, very simply, righteousness is to be right. You can distinguish it into its its, uh, legal, its juridical aspect, And righteousness means that a man stands right with the judge of heaven and earth, with God. That shall dwell there. We shall forever be clothed with perfect righteousness before the God of heaven and earth, a righteousness, remember, in Christ that can never be lost righteousness shall dwell there you might say it didn't dwell it was there but it, it didn't dwell in paradise Adam was righteous but he only remained righteous for a little while and then he fell and he became and we became in him guilty and damn worthy because of his sin There in heaven, that righteousness, also the the legal aspect of that righteousness shall be forever and ever. But there shall be more. We shall be spiritually and ethically righteous. We shall have the virtue of righteousness according to which we shall be able to do and shall do God's will perfectly you know you and I can't really even begin to imagine what that shall be we're righteous now righteous legally righteous because of our sanctification too. But we have only a small beginning of that righteousness. And all the rest is sin. Every day again, we have to get down on our knees, don't we? And say with respect even to the best of our works. Yes, Lord, but it was all tainted and polluted by sin. When we get to heaven after a while, righteousness shall dwell there. Righteousness shall be at home there. Perfectly at home. There be no more sin. And no more possibility of sin. And we won't have to worry anymore about the danger of sinning. Now we do every step of the way. We really have to say to ourselves, watch out. Watch out. Don't slip. Changeable. It will be perfect because it shall be the righteousness of the Son of God in his glorified heavenly human nature. text says you're looking for such things seeing that ye look for such things expecting them and it means of course expecting them in in the favorable sense of the word (coughs) it isn't talking about a cold, powerless expectation of future things. You can expect anything, you know. Disease, war, death. And that has no influence. It's a living expectation. Favorable expectation. Just as when you're on a plane, you're expecting, you're expecting to meet someone when you arrive. After a while, you can hear that the engines slow down, and you're beginning to make your descent toward the uh, airport. And after a while, the captain puts on the the no smoking sign, and the fasten your seat belt sign, and you can begin to notice more and more that that plane is descending to the airfield, ready to get down on the runway. And there in in the airport, by the loading docks, is someone whom you want to meet you eagerly want to see that in a natural sense is the expectation only in a spiritual sense of which the apostle is speaking here the spiritual power that that faith that hope is an earnest of your salvation the new life. You have the beginning of that new life and the expectation, the hope of the child of God is that power of the new life that is in him, stretching forth to the future. From that point of view, you know, the child of God lives in attention tension, tension between the old man, the old earthly man of sin and the new man, that new man constantly stretching forth toward the future, the future of the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness shall dwell. And that hope ought to set our whole life ablaze with a a fervent desire to walk as citizens of a new world. There's in it that element of expectation, the element of, of certainty, we're sure of it, and the element of longing because the things that we look for are favorable they're worthwhile that was the case with the believers of peter's time to whom he's writing here you know they were even impatient they even thought that the long suffering of god waited it was taking too long it wasn't wrong of them it wasn't wrong on their part It wasn't that they were mistaken either about the time of Christ's coming. Basically, it was that longing of their hope for the day of Christ. You ever have that? You ever have it, beloved? And in your prayer, you pray, Come, Lord Jesus. you're finished and you've said amen you say to yourself I wish he would come once that's what the apostle means here and that hope you see is the incentive of sanctification the godly walk. It's the incentive and power of sanctification. Why? Because righteousness shall dwell in that creation. And that's what I want. That's what I long for. Hope has in it the incentive to be diligent. You have know, that in other passages of, of Scripture in First uh, John 3 for example the first part we have time to look at that a moment behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not now listen, beloved now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is that's our hope now notice and every man, this is a statement here Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. That same truth which is in 1 John 3 stated as a fact. the fact of the Christian life. Every one that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure, that is stated here in uh, 2 Peter in the form of an admonition, you see. Wherefore, seeing that ye look for such things, here's the admonition, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. That's the manifestation. We're found, we're diligent to be found of him in peace. And peace in Scripture is always fundamentally peace with God. Perfect harmony with God. That's peace based on righteousness. Righteousness, you know, is the chief characteristic of the things that we look for and the the indispensable requisite for entering the heavenly city, heavenly purity, heavenly perfect holiness. And we must be found in peace. And to be found in peace, we must be found righteous. Notice the Apostle doesn't say be diligent to be found at peace. Doesn't say make your peace with God. But be found in peace. That is, in the sphere of peace. In the sphere where peace reigns. Just as there is no peace with God, beloved, except on the basis of righteousness, on the basis of justification. So the sphere of peace, where peace reigns, that sphere is also righteousness. Now, not in that... Uh, judicial sense, that legal sense but in that spiritual ethical sense so that we walk in righteousness we walk according to God's will and therefore the apostle says be diligent to be found without spot and blameless that is, without the defilement of that world in which we live and that shall pass away. And therefore, it means that we live and walk so that we are not to be blamed. Blamed, that is, before God. That must be the attitude of the child of God. That doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. There isn't any such thing as perfection in this life. But it means that in principle, we are found of him without spot and blameless. It means that we have in us the hatred of sin. After all, you know, does a man who expects his temporary house to be burned, to be utterly destroyed. Does he pay all his attention to that passing dwelling? As though he's going to live in it forever? Will he say, my house shall stand for A? No, that doesn't mean that he must despise that earthly house. Of course not. He's called to live in it for a while. But that earthly house and that earthly life and all that is connected with it will not be the object of his heart object of his heart is on high in the future in the new heavens the new earth and he certainly the one who looks for the new heavens and the new earth will surely not become entangled in all the unrighteousness and all the pollution of this present temporary house that we have. No, no. We will hate sin. We will cry for forgiveness. We will wash our garments in the blood of the Lamb. We will have our delight in serving Him. Why? Because our heart is on high where Christ is. We will give diligence that. Notice that give diligence be careful pay attention why? Well for one thing because of the flesh and of the world we have to be on guard we have only a small beginning of the new obedience and therefore it is necessary that we be admonished, be diligent, pay attention to it, that you are found without spot and blameless. For another, the reason is that we are hastening toward those things, those final things. His word is, behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to render unto every man according as his work shall be. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> our Father which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word and testimony. We pray wilt thou apply thy word unto our hearts and the hearts of our children by thy spirit and grace, that we may take thy word to heart personally and that we may look for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ on the clouds of heaven in power and great glory. Dismiss us now with thy blessing. Go with us in the days of the week that lie ahead and keep us in thy care. We ask it for Jesus, our Redeemer's sake, Amen. Our concluding psalm is Psalm 98. I think it's probably not amiss that we as a congregation bid goodbye this afternoon to Daniel and to Nicholas. Wish them a safe trip wish them a pleasant time in the uh, land of snow and ice and hope that before long they'll be back in our midst godspeed psalm 98 or oh, sing a new song to the lord for wonders he hath done his right hand and his holy arm him victory hath won 98 let's sing all the verses bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.